Welcome to STEM Unplugged, a monthly podcast designed to help you learn about STEM initiatives and to help advance STEM awareness. Now here's your host, Kelly Green. We're so excited. Thank you for getting connected. I am your host, Kelly Green, the Chief Operating Officer of SciTech Institute, which is a collaborative nonprofit organization that is making STEM connections in Arizona and beyond. My team member, Claire Conway, is also on with us, and she is working to build the Arizona STEM learning ecosystem across our state. We are so excited for this special episode of STEM Unplugged and have an opportunity to discuss Earth Day with Matthew, the Director of Global Education from EarthDay.org. So let's get right into it, Matthew. Can you please tell us a little bit about EarthDay.org and what you do? Sure. So EarthDay.org grew out of the first Earth Day in 1970 and is now sort of an umbrella organization that organizes activities, not just on Earth Day, but to kind of diversify, educate, and activate the environmental movement throughout the year and around the world. Uh, So my role within the organization is the director of global education. So I coordinate all of the education initiatives, and that is kind of a big portfolio that includes creating content and resources for educators and for learners, uh, but also kind of curate, collecting and curating resources from partner organizations, and then getting that stuff out to partners. So kind of all the facets of the of the education program. Awesome. Thank you. And then it looks like uh, this year's Earth Day celebration theme is invest in our planet. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so this year's theme uh, is invest in our planet, and uh, that's a call to action for individuals, for communities, for businesses, for nonprofit organizations, for governments, uh, to take whatever steps they can uh, to invest in a more sustainable future, right? And so we often think of this term investment as being a financial term. And of course, finances are important, but we're kind of reframing that idea of investment to think about investments in yourself. So kind of learning about your the environment you have around you, but also building interpersonal relationships and making investments with your family and your community so that we can see these returns in the future for a more just future. So we've sort of expanded the concept of investment to make it about making an improvement and a more sustainable and green planet for everyone. So I'd love to know what got you um, into this position, right? Why why do you want to work at EarthDay.org and make a difference? Yeah, that is a a really interesting question. Uh, so I'll I'll go back deep into my into my history. I'm a I'm a career educator. I've always been teaching in some form or another. I grew up as a summer camp kid in upstate New York and then went on to be a summer camp counselor uh, in in Michigan and in New Mexico, in addition to New York where where I was a camper, uh, and then transitioned that into a biology undergraduate degree and then a master's degree in elementary education. So when I kind of went into the teaching course, I taught middle school science for five years in the United States, one year in Honduras. And then when I 
got to a transition point, went back to graduate school uh, to pursue a master's and PhD in, in global education, international education policy. And while I was in my PhD program, I had an opportunity to do all kinds of interesting things that are relevant to this podcast. So I was working for an undergraduate program in science, technology, and society. So working with undergraduate computer science and engineering students and providing them with uh, experiential learning opportunities. So that included robotics service learning opportunities with, with K through 12 public schools. It included global learning opportunities to Ecuador and to Brazil. And sustainability and environmental education was kind of a thread that ran through many of those programs. In 2020, like uh, most other folks, the, all the world was upended, right? So all of these kind of dynamic experiential learning opportunities that had been developed with, with partners in schools and communities in, in, in different countries uh, were kind of put on pause. And at that point, I completed my dissertation and my doctoral work and was looking for whatever the next step was. And the opportunity to come and work with EarthDays.org, which brought in kind of all of these different pieces that I had been working on throughout my career. So working with teachers and with schools, doing creating global learning opportunities, and really being a network, a networker and, and facilitator of education opportunities at, at different levels across different organizational groups really appealed to me. So uh, it, it really is a nice opportunity to kind of bring together lots of different skills and experiences and, and then grow within the organization. Incredible. We, we have a very similar journey, actually. Um, but I'm curious, where in Western New York? I'm also from, I'm about 75 miles south of Buffalo. Well, I, I mean, it's, it's, that's a different when I say upstate New York, I, I grew up on Long Island. So uh, oh when, goodness, when we're awesome. talking about upstate New York, I'm, it's still downstate for, for you. I'm oh, thinking like guy. just north of Poughkeepsie, the Red Hook area around there. So got still it, quite it. a bit downstate from, from where you grew up, I'm sure. <laughs> so I love that you shared about your opportunities around the world and experiencing other cultures is really key to understanding not only diversity, but the equity portion of access to education. Can you tell from some of your opportunities, bringing that networking and all that skills to this new opportunity, what are some of your favorite experiences you've had so far with the organization? So absolutely. So the probably the most interesting part of my role is the big tent of earthday.org. So in, in any given day, I can speak with a teacher in Kenya in the morning about how they can use some of our toolkits in their classroom. And then in the afternoon, sit in a Zoom meeting with ministries, uh, ministers of education from three or four countries and talk about the importance of global climate literacy, uh, and then in the evening have a meeting with the global education team about kind of what our next steps are in our content creation or advocacy campaigns or what have you, right? And, and our global team is based all around the world. We have representation in South America, in, in Brazil. We have a large team that's based out of India. We have a group of folks in sub-Saharan Africa. 
uh, and a team in the Middle East and North Africa. So really kind of bringing all of these perspectives to bear on the mission and goals of the organization and talking through kind of different opportunities and, and working with different people's strengths to, to, to push the movement forward. Yeah, that's really cool. I, what an amazing opportunity. Go ahead, Claire. I was just wondering, you mentioned the term climate literacy, and I'm wondering if you could tell us a little more about what that means and why it's so important. Berkeley.org has always been a leader in the push for climate and environmental literacy. In, in 2020, we formalized that campaign and launched a petition that we brought to COP26 in Glasgow. And that petition calls upon world leaders to finance uh, and ensure that all learners have access to assessed integrated climate literacy programs everywhere. Right? And, and part of my role it now is to kind of think about what a climate literate person looks like, right? And so we're still kind of grappling with this idea with the partners and with the global teams, but we've kind of settled on these different mindsets that climate literate community or a climate literate citizenry needs to have, right? And, and one is kind of a mindset for knowledge and learning and not just learning about the science, right? But also, or the technical parts of climate change, but also understanding the social implications of it, right? And recognizing that these are socio-technical systems and we need to understand the whole system in order to, to, to drive change that, that we wanna see, right? The second mindset that we talk about is this mindset for justice, right? So social justice and environmental justice and recognizing that the climate crisis is, is embedded with, within social systems and these social systems have historical, have, have severe kind of histories of oppression and we need to recognize some of those systems to make sure that, you know, the equity is a lens that we're using when we think about uh, climate literacy. The third piece that we talk about is a mindset for innovation and entrepreneurship. So ensuring that kind of thinking about this big, complex problem, we can break it down into component parts and start to devise some solutions to address these issues. And at the same time, prepare learners for kind of what is to be the green economy, green economies of the future. The fourth piece that we talk about is this mindset for uh, civic and political action. So understanding how one can get involved uh, in their communities, decision-making processes, all sorts of, of different opportunities. So thinking about all of these different component parts of climate literacy and integrating them into a framework so that when school systems or policymakers or parents or students want to just kind of have an idea of what this concept means, uh, they can kind of come and see how EarthDay.org is thinking about it. By no means is this a, a, a prescriptive framework, right? Uh, and this, all of these terms are going to mean different things for different people, but it's just sort of a launching point to start to think about the concept because it really is a big idea and one uh, that we're really trying to push for and have people struggle with the idea so that we can create a movement. I think it's really powerful. And I love that you mentioned students. So one of the things that SciTech Institute is really expanding is our network across the state of Arizona. As I mentioned, Claire is working on STEM learning ecosystem hubs. And then there are over a hundred other STEM learning ecosystems across the United States and beyond. 
So the idea of how does an organization get involved or how do we share this with the educators in our network? And then, of course, we have what are called chief science officers. They are sixth through 12th grade STEM ambassadors that actually are liaisons for all the cool things that we learn about. We share with the CSOs and then they share with their peers. So, you know, if you had some suggestions of, you know, where do we get started as an organization and then how do we, you know, continue to share it with our students? What would they do? The first thing is, I'm glad you talked about that. Earth Day has a really interesting history when it comes to uh, Earth Day coordinators in every school. Uh, We got our start as an education organization, and the very kind of first Earth Day network uh, was in New York, and their first programming was to reach out to teachers at schools and provide them with content and curriculum. And they eventually scaled that out uh, nationally, and at one point, there were something like 95,000 Earth Day coordinators in public, private, and parochial schools representing something like 70% of all schools in the country, right? So that was the snail mail version where we were sending out curriculum and, you know... It's part of that program. It was great. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Uh, and as we've kind of shifted to the internet, right, uh, we've struggled a little bit to, to keep that momentum going with all those Earth Day coordinators as, as teachers and schools and administrators are kind of bombarded with stuff through their inboxes, right? So one of the kind of steps that we hope to take in, in 2022 into Earth Day 2023 is to have an Earth Day coordinator in every school in the United States and every school in the U.S. And, and the easiest way to get involved in that is to go to our website, which conveniently is our name, earthday.org. Uh, and on that website, you can find a number of different resources, toolkits, uh, ways to sign up and participate. So there's an opportunity there to sign up as an Earth Day school. There's soon to be an opportunity there to sign up as an, as an Earth Day coordinator for your school. You can register your Earth Day events on a map and, and share those with your community. You can sign our petitions, such as our climate literacy petition. We also have a plastics pollution petition on there. And you can also kind of see what other resources are on there. So we have a number of different campaigns uh, beyond climate literacy. I mentioned plastics, but we have a a canopy program uh, for reforestation. We have a a sustainable fashion campaign, regenerative agriculture, a number of different opportunities for kind of people to go there and visit the different uh, parts of the organization and learn about our, our different initiatives. Awesome. And, you know, you mentioned this a little bit, but uh, Earth Day has been around since 1970. Is that right? The first Earth Day was 1970. Yes. How, this is kind of a big question, but how have you seen sort of the movement evolve from the start of when Earth Day came about through kind of over the years until now? This is a better question, uh, probably for some colleagues in the organization. I'm I'm relatively new to EarthDay.org. I started in, in January. But I can give you kind of my interpretation of, uh, of, of what I've seen in, in the little bit of time that I've been here. And, and the kind of simplest way to put it is it has really grown from a grassroots organization. And there's still very much a grassroots piece of this, right? We, these are on-the-ground advocacy campaigns that, that we're supporting and initiating. But we are now a global organization, right? So what was kind of very 
decentralized and grassroots is a little bit more coordinated now with teams operating all over the world with a little bit of structure and and coordination. That being said, you know, that kind of initiative, that kind of coordinated decentralization, as I like to call it, uh, is really very much a part of the fabric and, and the DNA of, of the organization. But we have moved from kind of this like bottom up only operations to really thinking about how as an, as an organization and institution, we can drive uh, some policy initiatives domestically here in the United States, but also globally uh, in global governance institutions. It's really exciting because that's actually very similar to what has happened here in Arizona. Uh, the launch of SciTech Institute was actually a very grassroots effort of going around to celebrate science and technology across the state, but manifested in you know locations or with organizations that really wanted to not only promote what was happening in their company or in their community, but also you know bringing awareness. So I feel like that's very similar to you know our very short <laughs> time together. We've only um, had our organization or the Arizona SciTech Festival for just a little bit over 13 years. So um, we actually just celebrated our 11th season. I think it would be really neat to work together and probably add some specific festivals and also share your resources with our network so we can relate it to the work that is already happening in those groups and communities across Arizona. So I wanted to you know, ask you a little bit of a harder question about, you know, since you are new to the organization, what are some of the misconceptions or this one, if you'd like, that people have about earthday.org that you'd like to combat? And if you can say one thing and help put people on the right track or Earth Day in general, what's one misconception you'd address? I almost feel like that's a leading question. (laughs) I think everyone, I think you all know, and I probably everyone who's listening knows that the, probably the, the biggest misconception is that we only work on one day and that's Earth Day, right? Uh, so, you know, my, my siblings poked fun at me when I got this job and they said, you know, they're going to pay you to only work on one day. <laughs> uh, and no, right? We're, we're not only working on Earth Day, but we, we Earth Day is sort of a tent, a tent pole or, or a flagship events in an ongoing campaign uh, for our mission, which again is to diversify, educate, and activate what's arguably the world's largest environmental movement, right? So, uh, thinking about Earth Day as kind of a both as kind of both ends of uh, of uh, of the book, right? So both two ends, two two sides of uh, as a as an endpoint in the year, but also a launching point uh, to what's coming next and a continuation in, in some regards of different programs, right? So. It really is kind of a tentpole for us to think about how we organize our year and how we organize multiple years for these different campaigns. Yeah, again, I'm very similar. We, like I said, the festival season is what how it started this entire organization and the excitement around science and technology in Arizona. But <laughs> we work all year, and yes, it's a busy season. But I, I love that. That's definitely one misconception. We were even worried. You weren't going to be able to chat with us because the big day. <laughs> so <laughs> love it. Claire, I know you had an additional question. Yeah, I have one more question that's not quite as focused on Earth Day, but more just I want to pick your brain about your background. You mentioned 
your research during your PhD earlier. And I saw in your background that as part of your PhD, you studied multi-sector education partnerships, uh, which is something that at SciTech and with the STEM ecosystem, we are really all about. So I'm wondering if there were like any key takeaways that you have from that research on kind of the best ways that people connect or the importance of those connections? How many hours do you have uh, for this <laughs> podcast? That's like the, the worst question you can ask someone who just wrote a dissertation. <laughs> yeah, so it, so the dissertation and my, my research is about these transnational research and education networks. Uh, uh, specifically, I looked at one community in, in Brazil, the, uh, the Bengal Big Kaipo community and indigenous community, and how they worked with a network of NGO, government, and university partners for political, cultural, and economic sovereignty. Uh, the, the takeaway from that that we can kind of extend more broadly and the kind of conceptual model that I used within the research was this idea of, of boundary work and boundary objects, right? And, and kind of a pillar of that is that uh, collaboration does not require consensus uh, uh, entirely, right? People come with different sets of motivations and values, and they enter and exit partnerships at a different point. And those motivations and values are different over the duration of the partnership. And that's fine, as long as you have this kind of loosely bound set of procedures that can help organize the work uh, in the space. And I was looking at a research station as this idea of a boundary object for all of these people to collaborate. But I imagine for SciTech, this might be uh, a, a festival or it might be this even this podcast, uh, but some object that people that have very different sets of ideas and values of what STEM education might mean uh, can come together and discuss, uh, debate, and then act to move toward a common goal, right? So those were some of the kind of main takeaways of the dissertation. Uh, you know, recognizing successes and celebrating those successes, but also calling out failures, the importance of ethics uh, and recognizing different sets of knowledge uh, and bringing that to bear, uh, cultivating uh, champions and leaders within the partnership and organization. Uh, feedback loops were really important to the success of, of this partnership. So people who kind of persevered through the relationship over time, and then had kind of other people that they they brought into the into the partnership. So there's a lot of stuff that we can talk about. I'm, I'm happy to do another podcast on my dissertation research if, if y'all want, uh, and we can bring in some 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 cool folks uh, to talk about that. But uh, yes, I, 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 to bring it back to Earth Day, I think many of those many of the stuff that I learned about in, in doing that work translates to Earth Day, right? So. Earth Day is this really big event that galvanizes people all over the world. And it's going to mean different things to different people, right? We're not all at the same place uh, in the environmental movement. And what Earth Day allows us to do is kind of have this kind of loose set of connections so that we're all kind of moving in the same direction. And then part of my role and responsibility is to figure out where people are and make those connections to support them to wherever they want to go, wherever they want to go next. That is so powerful. I'm so glad you asked that question, Claire. And I think it is absolutely worth a whole nother podcast. And I, I think your work and, you know, your dissertation is so important to what we're doing 
as an organization here. And, you know, I think the question, my final question is actually going to be a little bit more about motivation or um, inspiration because we work with a lot of middle schoolers. I was a former middle school teacher myself. So with your background of having, you know, five years in a science classroom with some knuckleheads, um, I'm curious what you would say to your eighth grade self or even sixth grade self. Like what, what would you talk about as the world continues to change, jobs continue to transform rapidly? Your path was very unique, but fulfilling from what I've read. And I'm curious, what advice would you give to yourself as an eighth grader? Oh, um, this is a, a fun question. So I, I often got this question from, from students when I taught middle school, but also when I taught at the university, the, the answer was always, the response I always gave them was, the, your first response to everything should be yes. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I will entertain that idea. That doesn't necessarily mean you need to follow through on it, but at least you should keep an open mind to the idea of doing whatever somebody proposes to, right? And then you do a little bit more investigating and research and decide if uh, that's appropriate. Obviously, there are some things that we should say no to outright, right? But, uh, you know, within reason, if if someone says, so to go back to the dissertation research, that was all started because a colleague called me one day and said, hey, Matt, would you be interested in joining us in Brazil this summer? We know you have experience with global learning programs. And I was like, I've never been to Brazil. Yes. And so I went and, and, you know, all these sorts of beautiful things happened. Similarly for, you know, signing, coming to work on Earth Day, right? So, you know, this is, this is, uh, are, are you interested in creating a program uh, for youth activists around the world? Sure. Okay. Let's, let's like go down that road and, and see what happens. Right. So, so that's sort of the advice I might give to someone. There are, there are endless opportunities and avenues and ways to pursue your passions. It doesn't have to be kind of one path. Things are not unidirectional. Uh, and, and to entertain those kind of different ways to, to pursue your interests and, and your passions and, Hopefully, those passions are aligned with a more sustainable, just earth for all the people and species uh, and vegetation on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> I love that answer. We definitely, I'm a huge proponent of, you know, it's not always a direct yes, but why not? Let's explore. Um, <laughs> but I do like to encourage our student population that we work with, especially our CSOs. To at least try things that are different and be open to what might come your way. Even, you know, young adults. I know Daryl is uh, in the background on Business Radio X, and I'm always constantly pushing him to, to seek out new experiences. <laughs> Sometimes they think, might think we're a little different, but I think we are open to celebrating in new ways and bringing a variety of people to the table to have a discussion. And I love that you said, Collaboration doesn't have to mean consensus because that that's just powerful for our whole team to take into consideration as well. So, you know, we're really excited to have you on and, you know, to our whole STEM community. We want you to know that you can get involved if you are, you know, an industry professional seeking ways 
to make an impact, especially on the lives of others or with your organization. But you need an opportunity to share. SciTech is ready to connect. Maybe you're a student searching for a mentor and you're not sure to, you know, where to look or who's available or what you might be interested in. Reach out. Maybe you're a community collaborator hoping to meet the right people and even, you know, host an Earth Day event. Now we know Matthew. Let's connect and talk. So we want to connect you. We want to encourage you to think about events, tours, showcases, even highlighting your own STEM career journey. We want to go ahead and ask you one more final time, Matthew, if you have any final thoughts you'd like to share out for our listeners today. I would just say, I hope everyone has a wonderful Earth Week and they're able to go out and do something uh, on Earth Day, uh, even if that's just kind of going outside and taking a walk around your neighborhood, because that's something you often don't find the time to do in your day to day. Uh, but of course, I uh, hope everyone has a nice Earth Week and a nice Earth Day. And if you want to engage and touch base with the organization, we're, we're always happy to hear from folks and, and support you in, in whatever it is that you're trying to do. I love it. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for this special episode of STEM Unplugged, talking about Earth Day 2022. We appreciate all of our guests for turning for participating and if you'd like more information on ways to volunteer or support an organizing event let us know please check out our website scitechinstitute.org a quick shout out to all of our educators students families and community members planning earth day events we're so excited to be attending the mountain trail earth day festival and then of course we have some scitech festival events this weekend with Green Living Magazine. So we appreciate everyone's enthusiasm for STEM in Arizona, but also Earth Day 2022. Thank you for listening. This is your host, Kelly Green, and we would be glad to discuss how you can get connected. Thank you for joining us for this episode of STEM Unplugged. We encourage you to get involved in the STEM community and stay connected at scitechinstitute.org.